3: Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on v the Sports Betting Network. Coming to you from the Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas, Scott Seidenberg here with you. It is The Look Ahead on v the Sports Betting Network. As week 11 of the NFL season is here We are inching closer and closer to the finish of the college football regular season, and finally, about, oh, let's say a month or so, and it's less than a month, I know, but it seems like forever, since the Major League Baseball season ended, we're getting award winners. It's One of the dumbest things that Major League Baseball does is just wait until everyone forgets about baseball for weeks after the World Series before announcing some award winners, but... If you had your tickets to win the Cy Young, cash those babies. Corbin Burns of the National League wins the Cy Young. Of the Brewers, of course, he edges out Zach Wheeler of the Phillies. And Robbie Ray wins the American League. Cy Young getting the best of Garrett Cole of the New York Yankees. So cash those tickets. If you had Robbie Ray to win the Cy Young, if you had Corbin Burns, to win the Cy Young, and we'll wait now to uh, get our MVP announcements so that uh, you can cash your Shohei Ohtani tickets and whatnot. But some of the, you know, I, I don't agree with them waiting, but those them are the bricks. So congratulations. If anybody placed the bet on Robbie Ray or Corbin Burns, you cashed your tickets for them to win the Cy Young. I mentioned week 11 beginning in the NFL. It'll kick off Thursday night football. The Patriots at the Atlanta Falcons. And the more I dive into this game, the more I love the New England Patriots. Uh, The spread is at 7. Total's at 47. I can see this game going under. We've documented how uh, unders have been coming through in primetime games ever since that 6-0 start to the over it's been dominated by unders and Thursday night. Unders have been very profitable with the exception of that Jets Colts game a couple of weeks ago. These unders have come through at a very high rate. So I do think that the under can come through. I think the Patriots are the move here in a teaser. I actually think that they'll probably uh, wind up covering this spread, but I put the Patriots in a teaser with the Dallas Cowboys as uh, my favorite play of the week. Uh, I think the Pats win this game, teasing them down, We'll take care of it, and uh, Cowboys teasing them up cover against the uh, Chiefs. You see on the screen there some trends for this game. Atlanta is one and six against the spread in their last seven games as a at home against solid defensive teams that allow fewer than 20 points per game. The Patriots fall into that category as a top-tier defense this season in the NFL. They allow 17.7 points per game. And so Atlanta going up against that team or that type of team, one in six against the spread at home. And... It's just another reason to like the Patriots in this one. Pats are playing good football. And the Falcons are not. Yes, they did upset the Saints. Big win there. But then they just got absolutely embarrassed by the Dallas Cowboys. And Cordero Patterson is going to be a game-time decision. Without him, their offense takes a big hit. Uh, Patterson's been doing a lot in in the the running game and the passing game, and Falcons are going to be without Hayden Hurst, tight end. Going to be without Darren Bates, their linebacker. Going to be without Kendall Sheffield, their cornerback, and uh, Jalen Hawkins, their safety, is a uh, questionable as well. If Patterson is out, Mike Davis and Wayne Gallman will be the running backs for the Falcons. But if he's not there, it's one less player for this Patriots defense to focus and key in on. I absolutely love the Pats to win this game. You know, I I think they do cover the seven, but uh, like I said, I have them in a teaser bumping them down. Um, I think the Patriots win this game and I would lean towards the under if I was picking a total in this game. So that's your uh, Thursday night football game that will kick off week 11 in the NFL. There's some college football games that are coming up here on Thursday night. You have, uh, as we look at the schedule here for Thursday's college football action, it's Louisville and Duke, with Louisville laying 20 points on the road at Duke. Now, Louisville is coming off a impressive win Against Syracuse, where um, it was Lamar Jackson jersey retirement night, so a lot of fans in attendance. Lamar was there; it was very uh, emotional for Lamar, and I'm sure the crowd was very happy to see him. And Malik Cunningham balled out, trying to uh, you know do his best Lamar Jackson impression as uh, Cunningham threw for four touchdowns, also rushed for another touchdown as the Cardinals beat Syracuse 41-3. to And now going on the road against Duke, they're laying 20 points. Duke is a very bad football team. Duke has lost six straight games since starting the season 3-1. and one. And the scores in these games haven't been close. They lost 48-17, at Virginia Tech. At home against Pitt, they lost 54-29. At Wake Forest, they lost 45-7. At Virginia, they lost 48-nothing. These are blowout losses. And for Louisville, they are a team that is in the uh the magical position as uh, you can you can refer to it they have 5 wins and with one more win will become bowl eligible they play kentucky the final game of the year kentucky's had a a, a very good season you know they started out what what 6 and 0 then they lose three straight games they bounce back with a win over vanderbilt uh they're going to beat new mexico state so kentucky's going to be 8 and 3 going into that game that rivalry game and uh, it's it's at Louisville, so certainly it's going to be a, you know, we'll see what the spread is there. But Louisville will probably be an underdog at home. This game against Duke is their best chance right now. It's, an, it's a very easy, winnable game to become bowl eligible. And so laying 20 points on the road is not ideal, but against this Duke team that can't stop anybody, and that can't score, it's just, it's a bad spot. Duke is not a good football team this year, and this one could be, this could be a blowout, and it could be over early, as Louisville looks to capture to keep the momentum from last week with the uh, 41 points that they scored against Syracuse, that, you know, Syracuse defense, and uh, carry that over into a performance here at Duke, with a chance to pick up their sixth win and become bowl eligible. I absolutely like uh that play. You know, I like Louisville to win the game and you know, they'll probably win by it's it's gonna be a double digit win. Will it be twenty? I don't know. I don't know if I can lay that on the road, but Duke is so bad that you probably could and get away with it. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You follow on Twitter at scottsonair, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. I officially wrote up four college football plays for our v Best Bets article, which will be released uh, Thursday morning. I'll go over those four games here tonight on the show. Uh, throughout the show, we'll go over the four games. Uh, it's an interesting card because I took two totals, which is something that I haven't done since the second or third week of the season. Taking a total. Uh, So I took two totals this week. uh, One underdog and one favorite. And when I looked back at the card after I finalized it, I didn't like it. And I I think that's like a good feeling because it's usually the cards where I'm overly confident that they don't come through. But the ones that I'm kind of eh, 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 going back and forth on those seem to be the ones that come through. Like maybe there's some sort of uh, initial reaction in in my brain that triggers me to, you know, second guess myself or whatnot. But whatever it is, this is the card I've settled on it, and we have four official plays. Maybe adding some more because of the circled games that I did when we went over the circled spots. I circled two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, ten. 11 spots I circled, and I only played four of them. So maybe uh, get a couple more of those in there um, as we evaluate the schedule a little bit further as we get into uh, the games, which start on Friday. There is a game that I played on Friday, and then, of course, on Saturday in the college football schedule. um, Majority of them featuring top 25 teams, so you'll be able to watch those games. Every game nationally televised, though. So you'll have no problem. Catching a game on TV. It's going to be a a fun Saturday because of the elimination games that are on the schedule. Of course, the Michigan State-Ohio State game is a college football playoff elimination game. And Utah and Oregon, it's an elimination game for Oregon. But then then again, you could say the same thing for other teams that are playing like uh, if Oklahoma State loses, they're eliminated. If uh, Oklahoma loses, they're eliminated. If uh, Michigan loses, they're eliminated. So uh, it's across the board, key games, important games for a lot of teams. But let's dive a little bit further into what we expect to happen this weekend and what the results could mean for the playoff rankings. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You hit me up on Twitter at Scott's air. This is the look ahead. Here on vSIM, the Sports Betting Network.
5: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This
4: is the look ahead on v the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of The Look Ahead is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray. No more spit cups and no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like Spearmint, Wintergreen, Citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zin. So head on over to Zinn.com find to locate a store near you. That's Z-Y-N.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. As we look ahead to the college football slate which will get kicked off uh on Friday in top 25 action as number 24 Houston hosts Memphis and number 19 San Diego State is at UNLV. But I want to focus on a game that will be kicked off around noon Eastern time on Saturday and that is the Oklahoma Iowa State game. And there's been a lot of talk about this game because Of Oklahoma's lost last week. And is Oklahoma a a bubble burst team? A team that you can kick them while they're down. That they lost. Everyone's writing them off for the college football playoff. And they are in a bad spot when it comes to uh, possibly, you know, not making the Big 12 championship game. Iowa State just lost a gut-wrenching game to uh, Texas Tech with the 62-yard field goal. and But now they have to go on the road. But is there going to be a home field advantage because of the early kickoff time? I, I think that's all nonsense. It was an early kickoff time in Baylor, in Waco, when, when uh, Baylor upset Oklahoma just last week. So I think with this being the final home game of the season, the fans, the students in Norman will be out in full force. It's their last chance to get together and party before going home for Thanksgiving. And I think it's going to be a raucous crowd. It'll be senior day. There's a lot on the line. They have to win this game and set up an opportunity coming up next week in Bedlam and making sure that they get themselves into the Big 12 championship game. And hopefully finish the year 12-1 and as Big 12 champs, and still have a chance to get into the college football playoff. That's got to be the message from Lincoln Riley this week. The message has got to be that we are still in this thing. That all it's going to take is maybe Oregon losing to Utah, and we're going to have a good chance to get in. And so they have to be, that has to be the message from Lincoln Riley to his players. That, hey, Last week's behind us. We're at home now. We're the better football team. We can still go 12-1, and win the Big 12, and get into the college football playoff. And then we prove everybody wrong. But if they lose this game, I don't want to hear from Lincoln Rally for another year. Because that's just, I mean, this is a put-up-or-shut-up game for Oklahoma. They lose this game. They prove that they are just absolute frauds. Now they win this game and they win it convincingly sets up a matchup next week with Oklahoma state with an opportunity to uh, get to the big 12 championship game, you know, play Oklahoma state again and see what happens with the teams ahead of you in the race for the college football playoff. Anything can happen. Cincinnati could lose. Oregon could lose. You know, Alabama could certainly lose. And then you're waiting. You know, Wisconsin could win the Big 10. You never know. 12 and 1 Big 12 champ is still alive for the college football playoff. I repeat, a 12 and 1, I'm not saying it could be Oklahoma State, but a 12 and 1 Big 12 champ is still alive. And let's talk about Iowa State here for a second. Matt Campbell had the most bizarre press conference where he said that winning the Big 12 or getting to the college football playoff was never a goal for him. And it was weird because... It was such a weird, such a bizarre answer. Like, for him to say that, it was so confusing. He said, he he, he like stopped the reporter in his tracks because the reporter was like, hey, you know, your goal was to win the Big 12 this year and it's disappointing that, you know, it's it's a pretty much a long shot to get there. It's not going to happen. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I never said that. Big, winning the Big 12 is not my goal. And he tries to clarify and he's like, Well, my goal has just been to become the best version of ourselves that we can become. I got to be honest. There's absolutely going to be players that have a problem with this. There's going to be players that are like, you believe this? Coach is like, his goal was not to win this year. Brady Quinn, former uh, Notre Dame quarterback, former NFL quarterback, He was on, uh, I believe, his uh, CBS Sports HQ show. And he goes, quote, I can't believe he actually said that out loud. We're not working for participation trophies. We're trying to win championships and football games. And Quinn added, "Um, I have no idea what the thought process behind saying that publicly the way he did. It's got to be bad for recruiting. You think about And you think about the guys who came back. They have a few players that could have gotten drafted and could have left for the NFL. They came back because they wanted to win the Big 12 championship. They wanted to have a shot at going to play for the college football playoff. When you start the season ranked number seven, that's your goal. I believe that there's going to be players that have a problem with this. I mean, just picture this. Couple the players are sitting there. They're, they're they're lacing up their cleats. They're talking to each other in the locker room. Like you believe this? You believe it? not? No, our goal wasn't to win. What do you mean our goal wasn't to win? And then Matt Campbell blows on his whistle and he says, "All right, laps." Hey, you know, maybe a, you get a smart player going. Hey, coach, uh, I tried my best. Hey, I you know, I tried my best out here. Just don't really feel like running right now. I don't know if it's going to be a distraction, but it definitely can't be good for the players to hear their head coach. You know, just why don't you just throw like throw a bone to your fan base, throw, throw a bone to your players? Go out in a press conference and, and get upset, act upset that you lost. Like, yeah, we had a, we had one goal and one goal only, and that was to win, to win the Big Twelve, to get into the College World Playoff. And yeah, we're upset that we didn't get there. But hey, we still have games to play. And so we're going to go out there and we're going to show Oklahoma who the best team in the Big 12 is, regardless of the standings. And that's us. That's how you answer a question in a press conference. You don't say, oh, 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 oh. I never said the goal was to win. No, 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 My goal was to just be the best version of ourselves. As long as we try hard and everybody's, you know, feeling good, then we're okay with that. I don't like it. I, I'm sure players don't like it. I know the fans don't like it. And uh, I'm sure Matt Campbell's going to have to answer questions about it. He, you know, the next couple of days, he's going to have to answer more questions about his response in that press conference. And, and plus, you know, his name, honestly. And maybe this is why he answered the question this way. His name is being floated around with a lot of job openings. And, you know, maybe it's like, uh, you know, in the old um, college football video games, which I loved so much, you used to, as a coach, you would have goals and you'd get rewards for finishing, for accomplishing those goals or fail and you'd get, not punished, but you would fail those awards, those bonuses or whatever and maybe that's what Matt Campbell's trying to do. He's like, hey, uh, if I if I say that the goal was not to win the Big 12, technically I didn't fail in that goal. But, uh, yeah, you're ranked number seven preseason. You're Iowa State. Your goal is to win the Big 12 and get to the College World playoff, and uh, you got to the championship game last year, and you were unable to win it, and now this year you're trying to do it, and, uh, you know, that's on you, bro. That's on you. I'm Scott Seidenberg. You follow along on Twitter at scottsonair, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. As we continue to look ahead to the college football schedule coming up this weekend, we'll be joined by our very own Adam Burke, uh, who you read each week in Point Spread Weekly. You read him every day in your subscriber emails. Uh, Burke's betting blurbs. He's got great information daily. I mean, no one works harder than Adam Burke on our Website and our emails does a tremendous job. We'll talk about some college football situational spots coming up next, right here on the look ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network.
2: This is the look ahead on VSIN,
1: the sports betting network.
4: Black Friday offer is here right now. When you sign up for our $99 midseason football special, you'll also receive a $20 credit to the VSIN store. Get all of our expert sports betting analysis, insights, and data for the rest of the football season, plus $20 to buy vCin sports betting hats, shirts, mugs, and other great gear. Hurry! This is a limited time offer, so sign up now for the perfect sports betting holiday gift at vcin.com slash subscribe. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Joining me now from vsin.com Point Spread Weekly, and your daily subscriber emails, the writer of Burke's Betting Blurbs. He is Adam Burke, always on Twitter, at Skating Tripods. What's going on, Adam? How's it going tonight, Scott? Good, good. Uh, as we do each and every week, let's get into the college football situational spots. And you pointed something interesting out in this week's edition of point spread weekly. And it's something that I mentioned when talking about the Thursday night game coming up between Louisville and Duke. And that is the focus on the sixth win for these teams. Why is that so important? Yeah. You know, if you get six wins, you've got a chance
6: to go into a bowl game and that's something that players in these programs want to do because look, I mean, you go to a bowl game, you get some swag, you get some things from the sponsors and all that, but also too. All of these bowl games are on national TV. So if you're a player, maybe a junior or a senior coming out, trying to build up your draft stock, something like that, you get the opportunity to play one more time in front of that big audience with a lot of scouts on hand and all of that. Plus coaches really want to push for these bowl games as well, because they get those additional practices after the end of the regular season to kind of get their teams ready for the bowl but also to get some of those reps for the underclassmen, guys that will be slotting into some of those positions the following year. So bowl eligibility is huge for everybody. It's big for recruiting. It's big for these players. It's big for these coaches. So everybody wants to get to that magic number of six wins, especially if you're a team that hasn't gone to a bowl game in a while, like Rutgers hasn't been to a bowl game since 2014. Maryland, it's been since 2016 for them. Charlotte, they only have one bowl berth in their years as an FBS program, which started back in 2015. So that magical sixth win is a really important number and a big-time motivating factor at this time of the year.
4: So talk to me about some of the spots that you have highlighted for a team looking for that sixth win.
6: Yeah, you know, one of the teams, in fact, I didn't mention this one actually in the situational article, but I did just edit our Week 12 article, and I've got Auburn and South Carolina game where the Gamecocks are trying to get that eligibility. Obviously they would love to get it next week against Clemson and beat the rival because that's something that they've really struggled to do over the last several years. that's just one example where you've got an Auburn team here looking ahead to the iron bowl where they take on Alabama. They already have their six wins. So they're not necessarily worried about that. They're breaking in a new starting quarterback here in TJ Finley who takes over for Bo Nix with a, but South Carolina getting seven and a here. With that extra push, that little bit of extra motivation in this, they played much better at home at williams Price than they have on the road. So even though that's one I didn't put in the situational article, and shame on me for not doing it, that's one I am kind of looking at where you do have this bowl incentive in to really want to get And Auburn maybe looking ahead to trying to spoil Alabama's college football playoff chances.
4: Yeah, I kind of agree with that as well, especially a tremendous look-ahead spot. There for Auburn, Uh, I mentioned, you know, it's a possibility with Louisville playing Duke on Thursday night, you know, I know that they're laying 20 and it's so hard to lay that many points on the road, but Duke's so bad and Louisville is looking for that bowl eligible win uh, and then they play Kentucky last week of the season. So maybe you can't count on a win against Kentucky, but you can certainly count on a win. Against Duke. Uh, Let's talk about other situational spots on this card here, Adam. Uh, Maybe teams in possible letdowns or in look-ahead spots or traveling. What situational spots have we highlighted?
6: Yeah, I mean, I think you have to consider a really obvious one here in Morgantown. And, in fact, this line actually going up 2-3 in favor of the Mountaineers. Game against Texas coming up on Saturday. Look, it's an early kickoff in Morgantown. Kickoff for the guy. And when you look at what transpired last week, obviously just a completely embarrassing loss to a program like Kansas, losing that game 57 56, but also in the process, losing your best player in running back, Bijan Robinson. So now for Texas, going on this long trip up to Morgantown, look, they really have not met any of their expectations for this season. And They have to win out to get to a bowl game, but that's not the standard of Texas football. You know, you don't scrape by to win six games and go play in some lower tier bowl game. When you play for the longhorns, that's not your goal. That's not your plan. And to me, I think sometimes when you get teams like that, that really fall well, short of expectations, they don't really show up at the end of the year. And I think that's a very realistic possibility here with Texas making this trip against West Virginia. West Virginia, three-point favorite, as I mentioned, total has come down a little bit, which I think is kind of interesting, but you have to look at this spot and think that it absolutely positively favors West Virginia, who doesn't have a quarterback controversy. They don't have questions about Steve's about their head coach, like Steve Sarkisian, who basically said, look, we may have 33 new scholarship players next year. So a shot across the bow to the guys that are there, obviously he's looking ahead to the future and deservedly. So,
4: you just really wonder if the Longhorns show up at all whatsoever in this spot. Mm, yeah, possibly a team that has already quit on the season. Uh, what about the big rivalry out in L.A., UCLA, and USC? You know, USC is going to be starting Jackson Dart, it appears, at quarterback.
6: Yeah, you know, I saw that come across the ticker here tonight, that Jackson Dart's going to get the start. Keaton this really hasn't played well this year anyway, or body injury. Look, the thing for USC is they don't have Drake London. So, I mean, this is a team that has to outscore the opposition in order to win games, but their best player will be sidelined once again here and also for the rest of the season. And you already have an interim head coach situation at USC. And at the end of the year, these interim situations are really interesting. And if we get to it, we've got one with the Akron Zips here this week against Kent State. But for USC, they've had this interim for a long time. They kind of had their one game where they showed up. Now they're just kind of going through the motions a little bit. USC favored in at the Coliseum, excuse me, for the first time, I believe since 2001. So it's been a long time since the Bruins have been favored on the road in this rivalry game and deservedly so, because I don't know if USC shows up and even if they do, their best player is signed here. So it's got to be USC or, or UCLA, excuse me, or nothing in this game with the Bruin half on the road.
4: What about, and you mentioned the uh, spot here with another coach, Akron and Kent State uh, as Akron uh, fired their coach uh, already?
6: Yeah, this one, 13-and-a-half is the number Kent State a road favorite in this one. And, and interestingly enough, outside of the rivalry angle, you know, Kent State still has an opportunity next week to win the division because they play Miami of Ohio, and if they win that game, they would have the head-to-head tiebreaker, so they'd wind up going to the MAC championship game. But for Akron, we saw them really show up last week. They were getting 26. They lost it. 40, but their interim head coach, Oscar Rodriguez, Jr. Is a guy who's beaten cancer, not once, but twice. And when you talk about these interim coaches, usually programs kind of put a guy in there. That's going to sort of spark the team, somebody to rally around something like that. Obviously this guy in any pregame speech that he gives has a real legitimate message to deliver. So I think the zips really show up here in this rivalry game. They've been blown out the last two years by Kent state. These two schools are about 15 miles apart. I went to Akron. They hate each other. (laughs) I know that I've seen this rivalry firsthand. It's a big amount of points for Kent state here laying 13 and a half, where I think this is a game that Akron puts absolutely everything into. And I think
4: they can cover the number here. Uh, What about a matchup in Louisiana? What do you like there?
6: Yeah, you know, I think this one's really interesting with Louisiana Monroe and LSU. And in fact, I thought this line would be a little bit higher sitting out there at 29, but maybe you kind of factor the spot into this one a little bit. We just all watched LSU against Alabama. The Tigers put everything into that game. It almost felt like kind of Ed Orgeron's last stand with the program. Now they're a massive favorite against one of those little brothers. that They feel like they can probably push around quite a bit. And Louisiana Monroe is a team that's really ripped off two very impressive upsets this year. They beat Troy and they also beat Liberty. So they're used to being in this role where nobody gives them any credit whatsoever. And now they take on an LSU team that I really wonder what the motivation level is for the Tigers here. You blowing out the Warhawks probably not. Maybe LSU kind of looking ahead to that regular season finale, something like that, but I think for Louisiana Monroe, a very well coached team with Terry Bowden, a team that fights despite not having a lot of talent. 29 feels like a really big number for LSU, especially if they're not all that engaged in
4: the game. Yeah, I agree and I always like these games with like the smaller schools in state because a lot of these kids may have played against each other in high school and a lot of the players that play for the smaller school might uh, feel a little bit of a resentment that, uh, you know, the players that they're playing against got chosen to go to the big dogs and they did not uh, Adam Burke's going hang, to hang around we're going to get into the NFL on the other side. Uh, you follow him on Twitter at Skating Tripods, you can follow me on Twitter at Scott on Air, Scottsonair. S c o t t s o n a i r. We will continue to take a look at what's happening, maybe some situational spots in the NFL. I got one that I absolutely want to point out. We'll see if Adam agrees with that. Coming up next, right here on the Look Ahead, here on Sin, the Sports Betting Network.
5: And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: This is The Look Ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. All started now. Is the time to get your copy of our annual betting guide for only $10. This year's guide has everything you need to bet on all the games all season long, including odds, trends, power ratings, and analysis for every team. Our team of experts, including Greg Hoops Peterson, Matt Humans, and Tim Murray, provide their predictions for win totals, futures, conference champions, tournament teams, and player awards. Sign up today and get your copy for only $9.99 at slash subscribe. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It is The Look Ahead here on Vsin the Sports Betting Network. Rejoined now by our very own Adam Burke. You read him in Point Spread Weekly, vcin.com, and of course, your daily subscriber emails. Burke's betting blurbs every single day delivered right to your email inbox. We talked about college football situational spots, Adam, but I want to throw at you a an NFL situational spot. and Tell me what you think about this. The San Francisco 49ers are coming off their biggest win of the season against the L.A. Rams. I mean, you talk to people around that team, you listen to the press conferences, everything was about it's Rams week, it's Rams week, and the crowd chanting beat L.A., and that was a big win for them. Now they have to travel across the country on a short week to play the Jacksonville Jaguars at a 10 a.m. body clock game I think the Jags plus the points is the move here in this situational spot. What do you think?
6: Yeah. I mean, I think it makes sense what you're talking about here and you know, something else I would keep in mind too, is just kind of wait and see where this line goes. I mean, I don't think it makes it to seven, but obviously it has gone up a little bit here to six and a half. And a big reason why is because San Francisco grades a lot better in the metrics than they do in terms of their actual win loss record. And in terms of what they've done covering the spread. So, this is a move really driven by a lot of the quant crowd, the guys that look at a lot of the metrics, the DVOA type of stuff and all that. The handicapping crowd may come in and have the same thought process that you do, Scott, looking at this being a very bad spot for San Francisco with that very long travel and the early kickoff, as you mentioned. So, yeah, I mean, look, I think if you like Jacksonville, I think you can wait on this, maybe get six and a half across the board, maybe six and a half minus 05, something like that. Maybe, even you know, a stray seven pops up. But I think you're onto something here in that this is a very bad spot for San Francisco and a 49ers team that, despite what some of the metrics say, is a pretty average team at best.
4: Are you buying into uh, some of the popular trends that we've seen in the NFL this season? Like the one that's gone viral is the uh, teams that didn't cover last week playing against teams that did cover last week or the short road underdogs of, uh, you know, seven or less. Are you buying into those trends this year? You know, as a general rule, I'm not a big trends. better.
6: Um, you know, I'm somebody who comes from kind of a sabermetric standpoint in Major League Baseball, where you need a lot of sample size for a lot of stats and a lot of things to be really relevant. And so for me, I don't really look a whole lot at trends, but I do think there's something to the idea of a team not covering, maybe looking bad one week, and then perception bias kind of comes into the equation and a line kind of gets a little bit inflated for the following week. I do think that there's something to that, especially with the availability of sports betting for so many people out there that maybe will kind of fall into that trap of sort of overvaluing one performance. So maybe there is some more validity to it that I'm giving it credit for, but I don't really that too much based on trends. I'm kind of more of a matchup and stats based handicapper.
4: 43, 16 and one this year is uh teams that, Did not cover. It is hard to argue with that (laughs) versus teams that did cover last week. It's absolutely wild. And I actually like some of those games. Like, uh, but I like the Colts over the bills. I actually like the Colts uh, getting seven, Um, the jets against the Dolphins. I like the jets plus three, Um, the Browns over the lions. I could see them winning by 10. The one I wouldn't agree with though, is the Patriots is the Falcons plus seven over the Patriots. Talk to me about this Thursday night football game coming up and uh, why the Patriots are a team to consider in survivor pools.
6: Yeah. I mean, I think the Patriots are a team to consider. I will say that I, I kind of just listed them in the article, sort of based on principle alone. The fact that they are one of the biggest favorites out there on the board. I actually do like Atlanta plus the seven in this game, but I do think New England does wind up winning the game. I mean, the Patriots just look. Their offensive line looks great. Their defense looks really, really good. I mean, I saw that firsthand against my Browns last week. And Atlanta's offense is just very hit or miss. I know they looked a little bit better coming out of the bye, and you know maybe Art Smith's schemes kind of started to sink in a little bit. But you know the way that the Patriots are running the football right now, the way that they look on defense, the way their offensive line is just dominating the game. I do think they win, but from a spread standpoint specifically. I mean, you're buying very high on New England right now. This look-ahead line was four, Mm. and obviously both teams were in blowout situations last week with the Patriots winning big, the Falcons losing big to the Cowboys. But make no mistake, as good as New England has looked here of late, their offense is not on Dallas's level. They don't have the skill position, guys. Mac Jones is not as good as Dak Prescott. Uh, And Atlanta, that game just kind of snowballed and got away from them. I think new England does win the game. If you want to go that route in survivor, but I do kind of like Atlanta plus the seven
4: a little bit. All right. Talk to me about the other survivor possibilities this week. Yeah. You know, I
6: think there are a few of them out there. I mean, obviously Tennessee being one of the obvious ones being a double digit favorite, one of three double digit favorites on the board here for this week. Uh, they make a lot of sense against Houston, Houston coming off the buy teams off the buy five and 11 against the spread this year. So they've had a lot of issues for one reason or another, Uh, But there are some worries about Tennessee, of course. They play the Patriots on deck. Uh, They've not been good offensively the last two games without Derrick Henry. So there are a few concerns with Tennessee, but again, a big-time favorite role for them. You have to look at the Browns, right? I mean, you know, if you're still alive in a survivor pool, keep in mind that depending on the rules that you've got, you have to pick 18 teams, maybe 19, maybe 20, depending on how you handle the holiday weeks here. You got to take some unsavory teams at some point. And I mean, this is Cleveland's biggest favorite role of the year. I don't think it matters if it's Case Keenum or Baker Mayfield, especially if it's Tim Boyle for the Lions. The Lions played a complete extra overtime period last week. Then obviously a very difficult loss for them. Jared Goff is hurt, whether he plays or not. This is an absolute must win game for the Browns with their backs against the wall. I think Cleveland's probably the best pick you could make here in Survivor this week especially because if you've got good teams left, taking the Browns allows you to save one of them for further down the line.
4: Yeah, I kind of like the Browns. I think uh, the Lions, you know, gave it their all last week and they come away with a tie and they might be a little disheartened here uh, after the tie. And, uh, you know, they also have a Thanksgiving game coming up that they uh, will take, you know, pretty seriously. And it's a short week to prepare for that. So maybe some extra work uh, being split Over this week, uh, preparing for, um, you know, the game against the Bears as opposed to uh, the game here against the Browns. Uh, Talk to me about your most recent uh, Burks betting blurbs. What have you been working on this week? What's something that you've been targeting? Um, By the way, there was one you wrote an article. I'm not blaming you, by the way, Adam. This is just it's just funny Uh, where you echoed the sentiment of um, heavy NHL favorites to cover this season. Where it was what thirty four and seven, NHL favorites north of two hundred, and so that day I parlayed the two heavy favorites north of two hundred, and it was the Blues against the Coyotes and the Penguins against Buffalo, and both Buffalo and Arizona won outright, <laughs> north of two hundred dogs. So that was I'm not blaming you, but it was pretty ironic that of course that's what I decided to do after reading that trend. See, hey, that goes to our whole trend argument, right? Yeah,
6: absolutely. I mean, look, you know, really the crux of my article was sort of just to say, look, if there's value on a big favorite, there's value on a big favorite. You know, a lot of people will look at that minus 200 price tag and say, absolutely not. You know, I'm not betting 200 to win 100. What, like, what sense does that make? Well, you know, look, if a line is minus 200 and it's supposed to be minus 225 or minus 230 or something even higher than that, there's some line equity in taking a big favorite in that type of situation. There's a reason why that team is such a big favorite. I mean, Pittsburgh, they're kind of a a different kind of case. They've had a lot of COVID and injury issues here so far throughout the course of the season. So maybe that's what kind of tripped them up a little bit the other night. But I think people just automatically discard and and throw away these games with the big favorites, especially in Moneyline sports like the NHL and Major League Baseball. And I just don't think that that's a really good way to approach it. You know, I think you still want to give every game that level of respect, give every game, your due diligence and see if you can find some equity, find some value in a game like that. And then one other thing, I know we're running up on time here, but one thing I wrote about in, uh, in Wednesdays setting blurb is look, this is a crazy busy time of year. Mm -hmm. We just added college basketball. You've got NBA, NHL, all these football considerations, UFC. If you do that golf, if you do that, so on and so forth, look, the holidays are coming up. It's a very busy time of year. If you feel the need to step away, don't be afraid to do it. Sports will be there tomorrow. You'll find other things to bet on. If you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're on a cold streak, whatever else, don't be afraid to just step away, not make any bets. Don't open up all those score apps that you're looking at and all of that. Do something else. Step away from it for a day. Clear your mind because one of the worst things you can do in this business is handicap with a clouded mind. So if you need to take that day, go ahead and do it, and don't be afraid of what you might be missing out on.
4: I absolutely love that advice. Adam, appreciate the conversation. We'll talk to you again next week. He's uh, Adam Burke. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on v
3: Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.